0: Listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Site. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now take it away, Dr. Roush. They must be destroyed on site. Welcome back to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight Intermission Episode 33 I'm your host, Lee Russell And, yeah, I'm not doing a regular episode this weekend And not sure what we're doing for our next regular episode Which should be next weekend when we record that So, I've been watching a lot of films lately And a lot of newer films So I'm going to do an intermission episode And just sort of give my brief thoughts On a few of these films I've been watching and um, you know, entertain you guys, or pff, I don't know, bore the fuck out of you guys for a good half hour to forty-five minutes, something like that. Daniel should be back pretty soon, so we do have some things planned uh, tentatively when he comes back, and also because Lady Lee is now in film uh, school. Well, not quite film school, but she's she's got she's doing a course on film anyway. She has a list of stuff that she has to watch. So we're probably going to implement some of those films into our own reviews and discussions on this show, so she can get some different perspectives and work out some of her thoughts on some of these films for her course, and you know, that should work out pretty good, I think. Uh, she gave me her list of films, and it looks pretty interesting. There's some cool stuff on there, and I don't think there's Literally I don't think there's anything on there That we've covered yet on this show So it'll be good I'm going to stop talking here for a minute We're going to go to a quick break We're going to play some podcast promos For podcasts that I love That you should check out if you haven't already And we're going to play a little bit of music And then we're going to come back And we've got six films to talk about You ungodly warlock Howdy
1: folks Like blood balance come to the right place my name is gary and i'm your guide to Cinema beef podcast every episode we not only deliver film reviews we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse hey, 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 hey you shut your face if we want to hear you talk i will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet all right calm down calm down Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules.
2: One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary.
1: So join the Insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on the Talk Shoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. And remember, here at the Send the Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Die, 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 die,
2: die, 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 die. Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho Semanticast. Let us face, without panic, the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let
1: us prepare for survival
0: by understanding the weapon that threatens us. It's to have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who
2: sends off Twitters you know, at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump! We talk about politics. I
0: know- I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We
2: talk about movies. You
0: can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? Ow, ow, but that's police harassment.
2: We talk about political movies. We're in trouble.
0: The
1: whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses.
2: The Psycho Semanticast. You ungodly warlock. <laughs>
0: And the first film I'm going to talk about is Nobody from 2021.
2: So they took maybe 20 bucks in an old watch. Mr. Manson, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad.
1: Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You're okay, cause you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm going to fuck you up. (laughs) It's been a hell of a day.
0: You can see that.
1: For 12 years, I worked for some very dangerous people. Everybody get to the basement.
2: What is happening?
1: Don't call 911. I used to be what they call an auditor. The last guy anyone wants to see at their door. Because it meant you didn't have long to live. But I left it behind to start a family.
0: Hey, hey. I might have uh over so this is the one starring Bob Odenkirk, pretty decent co-starring cast here, including Christopher Lloyd as his dad. This is the one where Bob Odenkirk, who does look like the most mild-mannered guy you could hope to pick out of a crowd, I guess, plays that guy, uh, seemingly just this suburban, white, middle-to-late, you know, aged father kind of thing middle-aged to old father who um just looks kind of beaten down by life just kind of goes with the flow can never get out in time to take the garbage out every one of his days is repeated it's just the same it's the same it might as well be groundhog day uh he just does the same thing in and out every day until one day his family they experience a home invasion and he has to defend his house but he doesn't really quite succeed He. T- tries to keep his secret identity still secret. And he feels a lot of guilt about that because it kind of kind of shows up just how much uh, of a wuss he actually is in the eyes of his uh, wife and kids. So he kind of gets the urge to get back into doing what he does best, which is beat the fuck out of people and kill people, as he used to be sort of a an adjuster or an auditor or a cleaner for some government agency. I think it's CIA or something like that. And he finds himself going head-to-head with the Russian mafia after he uh, beats up a bunch of drunken louts in a bus. And it's a, there's some pretty good fights in this. It's pretty gritty at, at times. Like it, it is kind of an action comedy. It becomes more of a comedy as it goes along. But it's a very kind of dry comedy and at the same time uh, it it's not, you know full of jokes coming at you a mile at a minute, it's more the situation that this deadpan Bob Odenkirk character keeps experiencing and butting into uh, when, you know, he's playing his suburban dad role and even later on when he um, becomes the ass character of old that he used to be but uh, it takes some time for him to get back into shapes, so to speak, so Uh, he gets beat up a lot in some of his early fights until he sort of gets his groove back and um, ultimately it's pretty entertaining, it kind of just turns into John Wick by the end of it, which is unfortunate if it had sort of stayed more low-key and just sort of went on with the sort of comic undertone and uh, just sort of kept its wit and its pacing I would have been fine with that too I would have been more fine with that, but Overall, it's still really great. It's just, it does go quite a bit over the top by the end, to where the point it's like, I might as well be watching a John Wick sequel at this point. And I'm not a big fan of the John Wick films, so that's sort of where I'm sitting at this. But it's actually really good. It's definitely worth seeing. I liked it quite a bit, and I don't need a sequel, necessarily, because I think a sequel would lose the uh, the sort of build-up that this film had. Like... The film is more about him reverting to his old ways and like accepting who he is than it is um, him being an ass-kicker right out of the gate. So if you start a sequel, I mean, he's already reverted basically back to who he used to be. I don't know if it's going to be as effective. So hopefully there's no sequel, but um, as it stands alone, nobody is really, really good. Okay, now we're going to move on to our next film. They've taken control of most of Europe and Russia. Merciful heaven, an invasion. That's not all, Mr. President. I take it that's
1: where your big idea comes in. Let me introduce you to the team.
2: We said we would end this war. Too many people have died. We can stop this. We need to utilize every Meta-Human we can. Who've you got there, Wonder Woman? I'm from the future. It's not impossible. Are you ready to end this war? I thought you'd never ask. Then, welcome to the team. If this goes haywire,
1: blame the new guy. Turns out the Nazis are launching a surprise attack. Then we stop them. Mother of God
2: Now kid, you ain't seen nothing yet
0: All right, this is Justice Society World War II And uh, the latest film from, you know, DC, Warner Brothers animated DC Universe, the current sort of incarnation of it. They've gone through a couple phases now. Uh, They're doing new stuff now. And uh, this is probably even the best one so far out of their sort of latest run. If you'd seen, like, the earlier Flashpoint Paradox or whatever it's called, you'd know that the character of the Flash can, if he goes fast enough... He can jump to other dimensions, or even go back in time and like change things and and make new realities just by changing things. And so they sort of play off that a little bit here. He jumps back in, t- not only back in time, but back to uh, another universe. And be, due to an accident, and runs into an old version of what. Is basically the inspiration for the Justice League, the Justice Society, and it's got Wonder Woman at the helm. It's got another version of the Flash. Um, it's got a couple of other characters Hawkman, who's got, a, I think, a different origin than some of the Hawkmen that I've seen in some of these animated ones. It's got Hourman, who has a special formula that gives him, like, superhuman strength and speed and such for like an hour and then it wears off and he can only use it like once a day or something like that or it, it ends up uh, effective affecting him uh, negatively it's much more of a throwback to kind of a pulp hero kind of thing uh and of course it's set during world war ii so the the future flash finds himself mixed up with these guys fighting the nazis now the film doesn't go into the implications of imperialism nationalism and all that sort of thing not really it doesn't really touch on it all that much Uh, it's much more interested in sort of the pulp adventure aspects the animation is really good the art style is really good i enjoyed both things immensely in this i thought the story was decent enough um, There's enough interesting things going on. Uh, Wonder Woman is kind of the main hero in this, even though it is basically a flash story. Uh, it's much more surrounded um, around Wonder Woman and uh, what's what's her uh, military boyfriend? Is it Steve Rogers or something like that? Like Steve something or I can't remember. Not that big of a comic book nerd, but um, it it does pretty much revolve around that and him trying to marry her and her being reluctant because she's going to outlive him because she's immortal and never ages and all that. Um, You can tell they wanted to use the uh, cinematic Wonder Woman's score, the the Hans Zimmer Wonder Woman score, which is fucking awesome, but they couldn't quite use it. So they have these sort of like stingers that are reminiscent of it, but not quite it. I enjoyed it. It's pretty good. Uh, I think the phase before this one of dc stuff is still probably the peak of where they've been with their animated movies but this was a nice sort of return to form for them and uh so it's worth pick, it's worth picking up and checking out um i quite liked it so now we're going to move on to our next film
2: you know what i don't understand how the hell are you still alive
1: made a pretty bad fool. the comet you see in the sky right now passes over the earth every six years and causes a portal but when it's open we get a visitor from a distant galaxy the poet warrior in the sci-fi sense the spaceman he comes here looking for a fight with you the chosen jiu-jitsu doesn't get it. He stays and he kills everything. That is alien politics 5 through 15. Now you are all the chosen jiu-jitsu fighters. But as long as you die bravely, no one else will have to. He's crazy, like me. There's no honor in killing crazy.
0: can fly, too. Alright, that was the trailer for Jiu-Jitsu from 2020. This is the sort of martial arts sci-fi film that's not Mortal Kombat uh, that (laughs) sort of came in under the radar a little bit, starring, quote-unquote, starring Nicolas Cage. He's here for a paycheck. I think you pretty much heard... The extent of his screen time in that trailer, uh, not too far off, honestly. And yeah, this is a mess. This is this weird amalgamation of uh, Predator, uh, a little bit Mortal Kombat, and a lot of uh, that Skyline series of like Alien attack movies or whatever the fuck it is that it's just that's just really bad. Like just. Dumb, low-budget, direct-to-video action, kind of, that has some okay fight scenes in here and there, but makes no sense, is totally just shittily paced, has some laughable CGI at times for the effects, and like I said, rips off Mortal Kombat and Predator quite a bit as well. An alien warrior basically comes every once in a while when this comet passes Earth and challenges you know, the mightiest warriors on Earth kind of thing, essentially. And, you know, if he doesn't get, like, a satisfactory battle or if he wins totally or something like that, then, oh, we're going to be invaded. At least that's the sort of the story I picked up. It doesn't really matter. It's really bad. Nicolas Cage doesn't even really try in this one, which is, that should tell you the quality of it right there, because usually he even tries when he's in something that's not all that great. Here, he don't even give a shit. He's just taking a paycheck, and it's pretty skippable. Like, it's not funny. It's not so bad it's good, even, really. It it was just boring, for the most part. It's just so cliched and boring, and just didn't interest me at all. I just kind of almost fell asleep a couple times watching it, but there you go. And now on to something way better.
2: Every once in a while, I just wake up in bed. He's there. He he talks to me. When you summon Satan, he will turn his attention to you. Submit
1: yourself, for he is a consuming fire.
0: That was the trailer for Sator from 2019. This is a really atmospheric, slowly paced film. It really draws a lot of its sort of pacing and visual style and storytelling style from prestige films like The Witch and Hereditary in some respects. Like, it's very deliberately paced. That's another way of saying slow and... This might be harder for people to get into. um, Especially if they didn't like The Witch or Hereditary. But even if you did like The Witch and Hereditary, this one's going to be kind of a challenge. Like, I was watching for the first half hour or so, wondering when this was going to pick up any. And actually just wondering what the fuck was going on, for the most part. Because the storytelling is very obtuse in a lot of ways. It, It very much in part, feels like a found footage film in some respects because it kind of drops you into the middle of this estranged family's lives. And this is a family of um, two brothers, a sister, and their grandmother, who is suffering from dementia, um, living out in the woods, basically, like really rural, isolated. And even our main character, one of the brothers, is even further out in the woods in his own cabin living away from the rest of his family and it doesn't really hold you by the hand and like sort of directs you around to what's going on you got to kind of piece things together and the director here Jordan Graham who spent 7 years making this film it's a real passion project you can tell just the talent this guy has putting this all together cuz he basically did almost everything on this film like wrote directed built sets, did the score, everything. He inserts some home footage of his grandmother and grandfather in this, uh, inserts the actors into the footage, and it's pretty seamless, and it gives a real authentic kind of feel to some of this stuff that makes it feel like this might be something that happened. Um, His grandmother, June Peterson, who is in this film as nanny, quote-unquote. There's a a history with her where she had some sort of mental problems. She was committed to a psychiatric hospital at some point in the '60s, I believe, because uh, she was hearing voices. And to her, a lot of this Sator's stuff is real. She, she would tell stories about this stuff. She would do automatic writing, uh, and you see some of that in the uh, in the sh- in the movie, which is supposedly, you know. Uh, A person who's connected to the spirit world, or some other world outside of ours, receiving messages from other entities and writing them down, basically. Sometimes it's just gibberish, sometimes it's words, sometimes it's pictures. So there's some of that in here, and it seems like this family is kind of being haunted And sort of slowly picked off by this satyr who is some sort of perhaps like pagan deity. Uh, There's a very folk horror sort of vibe through this whole thing. But anyway, like uh, the mother and the family, she disappeared. The grandfather died in a mysterious uh, circumstance, under mysterious circumstances. It seems like some of the family give themselves up to satyr. Eventually, he gets in their heads and they either give themselves up willingly. Become some sort of disciple, or become a sacrifice. I found it really interesting. There's a very—I um, hate to use this word—Lovecraftian. I—I think it does Lovecraft's work in injustice, and I think it's too much of a sort of tidy catch-all for cosmic horror. I—I I'd, I'd rather just sort of like to sort of set this under folk horror and cosmic horror, which are much more comfortable um, descriptions of this. And it's interesting. He uses his real grandmother's mental illness and casts her actually in this film. So it it walks the line between real and fake, and it gives it an extra creepy factor. There's this cult that seems to be connected to Seder that seems to be also just sort of watching from the woods. And there's a lot of long scenes of our characters looking into the woods And looking for things And perhaps we can see something looking back at them Um, There's this one really tense scene That's right out of Blair Witch in, In some respects Where it's like first person of one character And you're seeing another character Have something happen to them And you can't quite explain what it is And it's very effectively done It's just You gotta have a lot of patience You gotta have a lot of patience to stick with it But I think it's fairly rewarding, although I think it also ends kind of derivative of things like The Witch and Hereditary. Um, It doesn't make itself too different from those sort of films, but I think overall it's worth watching. This might have worked better if it was a shorter film, but I enjoyed it. So uh, it gets my recommendation. And now we're going to move on to our next film.
2: How long have you been, Barry? What do you like about you, Barry? You don't say much. But you're a good listener. You're absolutely fucking right you're not the father. You're a useless piece of shit. So what are you doing here, man? How did I catch you? Yeah! You listen to Barry. Kill someone.
1: You're on a mission. You're more important than us. You have to save us.
0: That's Fried Berry from 2020. Uh, this is a feature film based on a short film, I believe, from the same director from 2017, sort of like an experimental short film. I did not watch it, but I sort of gleamed that it's basically just like one segment in this film was sort of the short film, and they sort of build off of that with this. Like, this is, although there's some things written here, from what I understand, most of this film is kind of improvised and workshopped as they were shooting it, which, and it really does feel that way, like, this is very episodic, um, very vignette-heavy, in a way, Um, it's all based around this titular character, Friedberry, who's uh, this severe drug addict living in Cape Town, South Africa, and he is just this emaciated, skeletal burnout, I think he's supposed to be, like, in his 40s, or maybe 50s, although the the actual air, actor here is in his 60s, and he's a very gaunt, tall guy, um, very striking features. His name is Gary Green. Up until this point, he was only sort of like a bit player extra and mostly a stuntman, I guess. But uh, the director wanted this guy for the short film and for this film, um, I, I assume, sort of based on his looks, because he's very, um, how to put it, watching him, he almost looks like an animatronic he just doesn't he doesn't quite look real. But anyway, he's he's got a wife and a kid that's most likely not his, and he just sort of uses them for a quick meal before he goes out and abuses drugs again. He doesn't care about anyone except for himself, basically. Just total scumbag. But what happens is he's abducted by any a UFO. And an alien in a really wild fucking sequence basically implants itself into his brain. Uh, in unique ways, there's, there's a unique probing scene in this film, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, but Barry comes back to Earth with this alien presence in his brain, using his body as a vessel. Barry is still alive and sort of locked up in his head, but the alien's in total control. And so now the alien is using possibly the worst host it could find as far as a human specimen could go To do his explorations His observations His interactions with other people And so now using Barry He's going through Cape Town Running into people Barry knew Running into strangers Running into all kinds of weird people And this is where it gets very uh, episodic As he you know runs into different people And has adventures uh, Even though this is on Shudder It's not really a horror film There's a couple segments in this That are kind of dark um, one that would fit as a horror film. But really, it's not a horror film. It's more of a just wacky drug comedy, in some respects, with just a lot of scumbag characters in it. It's, it feels like, it kind of feels like um, street trash, except there's no, you know, uh, it's not a body melt movie. It's just, it's got the same sort of, Um, Stratum of Civilization, I guess uh, Is is the way to put it And same sort of characters Low-life characters, crazy characters Desperate characters All interacting with this Weirdo version of Barry That's even weirder than he usually is uh, Under the influence of drugs And this alien ends up Taking drugs While using (laughs) Barry's body And it affects him very differently And it's just some wild shit. It's mostly just lead actor Gary Green's performance that is what kind of recommends this uh, for me. And it's not a hard recommend. Like, I I think it could have went into a much more cohesive story. There's there's like a lot of opportunities they missed. They could have turned this into a real horror movie. They could have made it something like, um, what was it called? Uh, I Come in Peace or Dark Angel or whatever the fuck it was that, The one with Dolph Lundgren in it, it was about the alien drug dealer that comes to Earth. They could have went that direction, specifically since this, like, references a lot of stuff from the 80s. Like, they're referencing a lot of, like, 80s films and stuff like that. Um, It kind of feels like they were hitting that way, but they never really do. Uh, It kind of just loosely comes together. The story that they do sort of bring together is one I don't really give a shit about. Um, I was much more on board for the wackiness and the wild shit, so I was a bit disappointed. But I think Gary Green's performance is one that's going to be remembered long past him. Uh, It it seems like a kind of a classic character that's going to be like have a cult following, I think, uh, because he's just really good. Like, you can't take your eyes off him when you watch him. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of my thoughts on Fried Berry, And now we're going to get into our final film review.
2: He told me his story. These are his memories. Can you feel him now? In the earth. No, I don't know what you mean. I think you do. So what are you working on? Searching ways of making crops more efficient. Funny place to study crops in a forest. We had to send
1: a rescue party in to get a group out a couple of months ago. They got lost. Why didn't they use GPRS? There's no fun reception in there. People get a bit funny in the woods sometimes. you worried she's going to get you? Yeah, who is it? It's a local folk tale. She's the spirit of the woods.
2: Wake up. Something's there. Listen. Someone's watching us. I saw something in the woods. He wants to talk. What do you want? Everything seems to just keep us here.
0: Okay, hey, and that was In the Earth from 2021, and this is the new Ben Wheatley film. Um, a lot of the buzz around it is, oh, this is the one that was conceived, written, and produced in quarantine. It's a, it's the pandemic horror film for the COVID era and all that stuff, which is total bullshit. I mean, no, it, it was conceived, written, and produced during this period of uh, the COVID-19, but to call it a quarantine movie is doing it a great disservice. It's a big-time mislabeling of this film, which is one of the best sort of neo-folk horror films I've seen. It is set in a world where a deadly virus has killed a large amount of the population, but that's just the backdrop. That's the setting. That's not necessarily what the story is about because actually the story is about a scientist going to this sort of isolated forest in England I think near Bristol or someplace if I'm not mistaken and he's studying the soil there because it's extra fertile because of the uh, mycorsia I think I'm pronouncing that correctly which is a uh, symbiosis between fungus and the root systems of trees and plants and it's extra fertile in this area, so he's researching that and hoping of strengthening crop yields and stuff like that. So like you can tell, it, just hearing that, it, it is not about the actual virus at all. It's, it's about something else. So he gets there, and uh, apparently some people have gotten gone missing in the woods before. He's paired up with a uh, ranger to help him uh, try to find this previous research scientist who is supposedly still out there. Um, It's revealed later that she's an ex-lover of his And he might have different motivations Than just scientific ones as far as uh, trying to find her But basically they go into the woods And strange things start happening to them Um, It seems like there might be a pagan Deity of some sort living out in the woods Or it might be, uh, according to legend A sorcerer who uh, melded his um, soul with a standing stone out in the woods and sort of became one with nature, or perhaps it's just nature itself and some sort of unknown ability, consciousness perhaps of plants uh, tried to speak to us. Uh, either way, there's uh, a clash of science and sort of old style religion here as. The two sides are trying to find the answers in vastly different ways. So they come in conflict. It's very atmospheric. It's sometimes kind of trippy because there's stuff involving like spores and uh, drugs and things, you know, changing people's perceptions. Uh, So it gives itself a little bit of an out as to what's really going on. But it, it seems pretty obvious that there is something beyond them going on in those woods, whether it be a deity or the soul of a sorcerer or nature itself trying to talk to him. It it presents a lot of questions and doesn't really answer a lot of them. And I'm fine with that. Uh, This is, again, like I was talking about with Seder, I would label this under cosmic horror, but it's also sort of neo-folk horror in that, you know, it's The the way the characters relate to nature, the way characters relate to old style religion, uh, science butting heads with it, and people trying to find answers. Uh, They might be asking the wrong questions in the first place kind of thing. I thought it was really good. Uh, Ben Wheatley's just, when he fucking shines, he fucking shines. He just hits home runs, um, and they're big ones. I really enjoyed it. It's not for everybody. It is fairly slow-paced, too. It's a bit of a burn, but it has some of the requisite horror stuff that maybe people not looking for deep horror movies can get into, and it's weird enough that I think it'll keep people's attention, even if it's a little bit confusing. Like, there, there is some good gore in this. There's some good suspenseful stalking scenes and scenes of people feeling surrounded by stuff out in the woods and they're not sure what's out there. There's character motivations that are suspect, and there's some mysteries here and there, some relationship connections that uh, get unraveled. Liked it all. Loved it. Um, might be my... Favorite f- film of the year As far as first time watches up with like Psycho Goreman Which is a way different movie On the other end of the scale But I really enjoyed this I thought it was great It gets my highest recommendation Out of all the movies I've mentioned In the show And I recommend you guys Not sleep on it In the Earth I think is really really good Especially if you're really into like folk horror I think you'll get a lot out of this It's pretty special All right, and so that's it, guys. Uh, Thank you for listening. Like I said, we're slowly getting back to giving you guys regular content and getting the whole gang back together and getting things up and running again. Um, Just some of us have wanted to take a little time off. In my case, I've just had a couple bad months where some personal things kind of got in the way of the podcasting. But we're kind of getting back on track. Things are starting to get a little bit normal again. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, If you want to find more of this stuff, you go to tmbdos.podbean.com. At the end of the month, we're going to have the last part of my Maurizio and Guido DeAngelis Blood on the Tracks series covering their music uh, that they did for film. And like I said, at least... One more episode of The Regular They Must Be Destroyed on site coming this month, and maybe an intermission. Who knows? We'll see. We are talking about doing some more horror movies and stuff. Bring Paul back on for that. And, um, yeah. Always trying to knock some content out to you guys at the very least. And uh, we appreciate you listening. So, until then, we will see you guys later. Bye-bye
2: seems like a bell rings time for deja vu everything is familiar being here with you all you've ever had before you've had to understand now all you have to do is want to have at your command i have always been here before The pyramids to Lucifer's temples praising the devil right to the devil's clock it strikes midnight. I have always been here before.
0: For listening to they must be destroyed on site for further episodes our apple podcast facebook and youtube links please go to tmbdos.podbean.com thank you drive through